Today on this wisdom journey through God's Word, we arrive in the book of Daniel. One of the key lessons you're going to learn is that God honors those who honor Him. That's not easy. You must be resolved to act in faith on His truth. And as you know, the pressure to compromise, to take the easy route, and justify your sin is always present. Sometimes that pressure is very strong. Four Jewish exiles give you a wonderful example in a lesson called Resolved. I've read that millions of people make New Year's resolutions as a new year begins, but I've also read that uh, less than 20% keep those resolutions for any length of time. Now, frankly, I think it's a good idea to make uh, resolutions. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 26 that tells us to consider the path of our feet, that is, think about where we've been, uh, where we're going, and where we want to be. Jonathan Edwards uh, was a great leader during uh, a revival period of time called the Great Awakening in the 1700s, and he made resolutions a part of his life. In fact, he would write 70 in all. Here's one of them. Never to do anything by which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. You know, if you read the biography of Jonathan Edwards, as I have, you're going to be challenged to make godly resolutions in following the Lord. Have you ever thought about the fact that, that much of the Bible happens to be biography? God evidently loves to teach us principles of truth through personalities. Now, sometimes people are bad examples. Uh, sometimes people are good examples. And as we arrive today in our wisdom journey, here at the book of Daniel. It's really the biography of Daniel, and we're given one of the best examples in all of Scripture. Daniel is going to become known early on as a young man who made some godly resolutions. Now, it all begins in the summer of 605 B.C. A young Babylonian prince by the name of Nebuchadnezzar has won a decisive victory over the Egyptians. He's gained control of the land of Judah. Soon after, his father, the king of Babylon, dies, and Nebuchadnezzar rushes home to claim the throne. Now, along the way, he carried off some sacred vessels from the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. He wants to put them in the temple of his chief god, Marduk. He also selects some Jewish men, young men. He brings them with him back to Babylon, as recorded here in Daniel chapter 1. Now, these uh, young men were more than likely teenagers at the time, but they were already young men of integrity. In fact, the list of qualifications for being selected by Nebuchadnezzar are given to us here in verse 4, and this shows us they are remarkable young men. They were youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding learning and competent to stand in the king's palace. It's another way of saying these young men are the valedictorians of their graduating class. They're the captains of their high school football teams. Now, we're told in this list that they're also of of good appearance. In other words, they're good-looking. 
But we also read here that they're knowledgeable. Nebuchadnezzar isn't just interested in good-looking guys who can't spell their own names. Verse 4 tells us that they're going to be taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans, that is, the Babylonians. So he's effectively choosing from Judah young men who are cream of the crop. Now, verse 5 informs us that all these young exiles are immediately inducted into rather high society here. They're, they're given the best Babylon can offer, including a free ride through the university system. We know from history this is going to be a three-year educational program. It's going to prepare them to serve in the administration of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, as the biography here opens, we're introduced to four young men, Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But now in an attempt to transform them into, well, young Babylonians, one of the king's officials uh, gives to Daniel and his three friends brand new names, but they are names derived from the names of Babylonian gods. So Daniel, which means God is my judge, is changed to Belteshazzar, which means Prince of Bel. This was one of Babylon's chief gods. Hananiah, which meant God is gracious, is going to be changed here to Shadrach, which means commanded by Ahu, that's the Babylonian moon god. Mishael, which means who is like God, is changed to Meshach, which boasts who is like Ahu. And Azariah, which means the Lord is my help, is changed to Abednego, which means the servant of Nego or Nebo, and that's the Babylonian god of fire. So, so get this, their food, which we're told is the best meat and wine enjoyed by the king himself, their university education, even their names that are designed to make them, well, more like Babylonians and, and break down their resolution to follow the true and living God. I think it's interesting here that none of them protest the changing of their name, any of their university courses that they got to sit through. Uh, Rather, it's the food that creates their first major temptation. Verse 8 records, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Now, Daniel is speaking here for himself and and his three friends. There's something wrong with this food and wine. Now, we're not told uh, here what it is, but it's likely the food included unclean meat, non-kosher meat, which God's law prohibited for the Jewish people. Uh, We know that then honey-baked ham would have been off-limits. And the wine here was more than likely first offered to false gods before being brought to the dinner buffet. By the way, verse 15 tells us that all the other young Jewish exiles are going to feast on all of this, and none of them are going to complain. But these four young men are resolved not to defile themselves. Now, Daniel doesn't just refuse it here. He, he rather wisely offers an alternative uh, to, to this food and wine. Verse 12 tells us, Daniel says, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat. 
and water to drink. Well, the officer agrees uh, to this test, and after 10 days, he sees some rather amazing uh, results. Verse 15 uh, tells us, at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. And i got to tell you, this is miraculous. They are fatter. Let me tell you, if I eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days, I'm doing that to lose weight, not to gain weight. And I'm, I'm also going to have a bad attitude after 10 days of salad and water. Well, clearly here, this is the miraculous intervention of God. God is vindicating the godly resolutions of these four young men, and they actually gain weight. Well, as a result, verse 16 says, the steward took away their food and the wine which uh, they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, don't miss this here. These boys are going to eat vegetables and drink water for the duration of their three-year university training. Now, better appearance and health are not the only results the Lord gave them. We read here in verse 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. No doubt they were diligent in their studies, but it's clear here that God is involved. God is giving them special knowledge. God is giving them retention, wisdom, skill in understanding. And he's giving it to Daniel in particular. We're told that Daniel is given understanding in visions and dreams. And that sort of sets the scene for us to keep in mind because this is going to become significant later on in God's sovereign plan. Well, after three years, graduation day arrives. And not only are these four men graduating with the highest of honors, we're told here in verse 20, that the king found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And, and so with that, we're, we're sort of informed here how the stage is set. Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's got some young men who are going to represent Babylon with distinction. (laughs) But God has embedded these young men inside the kingdom of Babylon where they are going to represent the Lord with distinction. So as this biography opens, let me make two observations here that make uh, the example of these four young men worth imitating. First, Resolving to follow God means refusing to allow your culture to rewrite your character. I mean, just think how easy it would have been for these teenagers to justify going along with this new Babylonian culture and and religion and and even diet. They're, They're captives in this foreign land. They've left behind their parents, their people, their temple. But evidently, they have not left behind their character, and they didn't leave behind their creator God. The second observation is this. Resolving to follow the Lord means refusing to make the multitude your model. These four young men are standing alone as they do the right thing. They made the resolution, and now God is going to open the doors for their government occupation. And let me tell you, instead of being changed by Babylon, 
they're going to change the Babylonians from the king all the way down. They're going to change Babylon for the glory and honor of God. Well, until we pick it up next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson he called Resolved here on The Wisdom Journey. We're going to spend eight more lessons in the book of Daniel, and I hope you'll listen to all of them. If you do, God will use his word to help you live wisely and boldly for him. To learn more and to access more Bible teaching, visit wisdomonline.org. And please join us next time as we continue The Wisdom Journey. 